0: There is much teaching and preaching that centers around being man-centered, and Mike Todd exhibits the worst of it.
1: Everybody say try it. I'm going back to name it.
0: Let's talk about it here on All Things Theology. Cue my theme All Things Theology, All Things Theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get that solid to God. Holla because this is how we do it at All Things Theology. Yo, grace and peace, and welcome back to an episode of All Things Theology, where this is your host, K-Dub. And today, we are going to talk about Mike Todd uh, as you know, if you've been following this channel for any while, I have reviewed some of his sermons, and this sermon really epitomizes much of the man-centered, I'm even going to call humanistic view of Mike Todd. We're going to see in a second what I'm talking about. There are many people who thrive on sermons that are theatrical, that, uh, that centers around uh, them. You know, many times when they read the Bible, this view of anthropocentric view is what they prefer. And what do I mean by anthropocentric? This humanistic, you know, people who go to the text finding themselves in it. Let me give you an example. You probably heard of this or maybe been guilty of this in the past, right? You know, you read a historical passage, right? David and Goliath. And rather than seeing the Christocentric uh, view, Uh, typology in that, you see the eulogy in that, right? So David and Goliath becomes a story about how you are David and you're strong and you're fighting your Goliaths, you know, that stand in your way to triumph, right? Uh, That's how many people read the Bible rather than saying you're not David, right? As has been said before, rather Christ is the David the greater David, who defeats his enemies on our behalf, rather, we are the f- fearful Israelites that are on the sideline, as many have pointed out. There is a anthropocentric way to read the Bible, where you just find all of you in the text. And then there's a Christocentric way to read the Bible, which we are to find Christ in the text. And I see that as the apostolic uh, view. We're going to give a prime example. that but before let me show you just a bit of this humanism that I'm talking about just in case you're
1: wondering what's going on here he said I'm looking for something to multiply I'm looking for something to turn water into wine but there had to be water give me something and he said my people have been paralyzed from trying now I can't even do nothing you keep praying but I give you an instruction you won't obey it I told you, go join that group. Well, God, there's so many reasons why I wouldn't join a group. And if I join a group, then they're going to make me the leader. And I don't want to be a leader right now. I'm still damaged. And Lord, I need to be like, stop. You don't know what God's going to give him something to work with. We want God to do a miracle with no matter. Okay.
0: You see what's problematic there? God has to have something we give him in order for him to produce this miracle. Even that you want God to do a miracle with no matter. I didn't know God needed matter to do miracles. I mean, even him, you know, he's going to later kind of, uh, point out this view of God, needing our obedience to do a miracle. God has done many miracles, Despite our disobedience, I think of the resurrection of Christ. Right, God doesn't need our obedience. He doesn't need uh, uh, us giving him something. You know, giving his giving him the water so that he can make the wine. Um, You know, again, this is a very needy God that uh, that Mike Todd presents. And then this is one one thing I've uh, demonstrated in the past with his uh, love of uh, Miles Monroe. Right, I've done that sermon where he's. uh, presenting a God who's very needy, you know, his kingdom series, that, that was the series where I really honed in on this uh, God that needs our cooperation for God to accomplish something. And just in case you think I'm just being uncharitable, much of this sermon followed this method. Just look at this clip here.
1: Let me just put it like this. Obedience is the main ingredient in miracles.
0: It's the main ingredient. So notice what's the main ingredient for God to produce a miracle? Our obedience. So you want God to do something in your life. So no, no, no. You're going to see exactly what this leads to in a second. Uh, If you want God to do something in your life, well, you have to be obedient. Because if you're not getting the miracles, who does it immediately fall on in this, in this formal that he's concocted? Well, of course you, you're not getting miracles. Then you're not getting you're not being obedient. That's the only person you can blame in this formula he's presented. It couldn't be the sovereignty of God, right? It couldn't be the providence of God. It has to fall on you. And so, uh, again, a very man-centered, humanistic view of God that Mike Todd is presenting. And we're going to see this later come up. I'm going to spoil it for a second, because it's going to come up. um, What's the main way? prosperity preachers view the obedience of God. Now he denies being a prosperity preacher, but he's going to exhibit this very clearly. It's tithing. (laughs) That's largely the main way. And he said that in the past, the main way your, your obedience of God is demonstrated for prosperity preachers is tithing. And so this produces a miracle. So you want a successful business? Got to tithe. Want a healthy marriage? Got to tithe. You know, you want that new car? Got to tie, and, and notice most of this stuff is just very material stuff, you know, that you don't have to want to be a Christian to. to it's, it's never, these, are, these guys never emphasize, you want more holiness, <laughs> right? This is, this is very minuscule to them. Rather, God is here just to make your life
1: better physically here on earth. Uh, but let's continue. I know nobody's shouting about this because a lot, I'm going to say this, it's strong. I'm telling you, I'm warning you, it's strong what I'm about to say, Okay. Brace yourself. A lot of the miracles you want to see are not because God is not able. It's because you are disobedient. Boom. Like I said, I, I at least want to be the one to tell you some of you. God's been speaking to you about this crazy faith offering and you have just said no.
0: So notice and This is going to be used. It's used now, but it's going to use be being used later to guilt trip people into giving a tithe. Matter of fact, that's how the star- sermon starts off. We need to exhibit crazy faith, not just regular old faith that, you know, all of us have. Crazy faith. And crazy faith is doing things that don't make sense. Matter of fact, that's going to be articulated later and we're going to see very clearly. It's it's cra- Crazy faith is doing something that is, one, not in the Bible. Crazy faith is that which that doesn't make sense to, you know, any discerning Christian But you keep doing it because Mike Todd told you that's what you're supposed to do. Crazy faith is unbiblical faith. You don't need crazy faith. You need biblical faith. Again, I've looked at that sermon, Crazy Faith. It is an unbiblical definition of faith. Faith is not doing that which is absurd. Faith is trusting the one who knows all things. It is not just doing absurd things, and even if it looks crazy again, we're going to see a crazy definition
1: or a crazy example of crazy faith here in a second. I don't see it. I don't have it. I'm not going to. I'm not. Some of you, he's been talking to you about things you need to do in your family for your career, for your business. Some of you, he's been telling you to move. You are in the wrong geographical location. And you just, but all my family is here and all my things, but your favor's not there. You have just been disobedient. And more than amounts, God said, could I just please have your obedience in crazy faith? This crazy faith, right?
0: Uh, let's look at a text because uh, this is the, the sermon kind of uh, transitioned to this. Uh, this uh naming example here in a second found in Second Kings chapter five. So. If you have your Bible, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. And and, and I, I want to lay this out because he did read this, just to be fair, to Mike Todd. He read 2 Kings chapter 5. And he made some, um, how do I say this, correlation here about this text. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to read 2 Kings chapter 5 together. We're going to give some uh, commentary on this as we go through. But remember what I said earlier. There are many people who read the Bible, read a historical narrative, and they want to make these uh, examples that are not drawn from the text. Uh, They're not taught anywhere in Scripture. Again, remember, David and Goliath, we become we become David and we're fighting all our Goliaths because we're just strong in Christ. Right. And so many people want to make historical narratives uh, some kind of large, grandiose narrative. Example that the Bible doesn't teach, and that's exactly what Mike Todd's going to be doing here. Spoiler alert, right? Let's read this example, this narrative, and I want to highlight a couple things that we can learn from this text, and then we're going to get into what he teaches about this text. Um, Second Kings chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 1, it says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. Uh, because uh, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So interesting things right off the note. Uh, one, he is of the nation of Syria. He is a non-Israelite, but he has great status uh, in this uh, in this land. He is a man he described as a mighty man of valor, but there's also a problem. He is considered unclean and of Israel, he would be considered unclean. Matter of fact, to be a leper, you were per, uh, permitted not to go to the temple. You could not draw near to the things of God. Something we're going to make uh, application to a little later. Verse two. Now the Syrians on their on, on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. <laughs> Notice this. This is interesting, right? Because this little girl is going to be actually um very key to uh, Naaman's healing and, and c- conversion, it seems like as well. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. See, this girl, she knows the cure. Well, another thing to point out is God uses the weak shameful, right? Uh, Despise things of the world, such as a little slave girl to point to his cure. I think you can see the typology and freedom in that, right? Uh, So Naaman went and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. And ten changes of clothing, very interesting. Something, but he something we'll highlight larger here in a second. But he brings money, right? If if I'm going to be clean, surely it's going to cost me something, right? Verse six, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, "When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you, naming my servant, that you, that you may cure him of his leprosy." And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, "Am I a god?" to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. It's like, I'm not God. I, I can't do this of my own strength. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me. And stand and call upon the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Naaman thought this would be some grandiose thing, but it was very simple instruction. Yeah, go wash seven times in the Jordan. (laughs) Right. Um, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, get better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. One interesting to note is God is still gracious despite Naaman's sin. That is something interesting to point out as well. Uh, Naaman responds sinfully. Right. He even doubts. Very interesting thing to note. But his servants came near and said to him, my father, it is a great word. The prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Again, some things to note is that no matter your status, you need to be clean. Spiritually speaking, you need to be clean to come into the presence of God. One, and also, this also shows God is not just saving Israelites. Remember, we've noted that this man was of the Syrian nation, a non-Israelite nation. And it shows God's sovereignty and salvation, not just to the Israelites, but to the, or to the non-Israelites as well. And just in case you think I'm just being a little far-fetched, this passage is actually quoted in Luke chapter 4. After Jesus was healing on the Sabbath day, he comes and reads the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captors and recovering of the sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this is uh, quoting Isaiah in this passage, and it speaks about the physical healing that, God, that Jesus was doing, but not only the physical healer, healing, the spiritual healing as well. Right. He quotes in uh, uh, verse 21 of this passage that this has been fulfilled today in their midst. And notice, funny enough, this is this uh, Yahweh doing this. Very interesting as well. But around um, verse 27, it speaks about there being many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah. And none of them was clean, but only Naaman the Syrian. Interesting. Right. God in his mercy despite Naaman's sin, chose to heal him and him only. And so there are interesting parallels when we read this passage uh, that speaks of Jesus' graciousness, God's graciousness of of, of spiritual healing. Uh, I believe physical healing points to this spiritual reality. Though you may be physically blind, you need to be spiritually, uh, right? Have sight. Though you may be physically lame, you need spiritually to be able to walk. And so those are some interesting parallels that I see in scripture when it comes to these things. Now, do you think Mike Todd brought any of that out? No, of course not, right? None of that was brought out of the text. Again, that's just a cursory overview that I'm bringing out. And I probably spent more time actually engaging in the text than Mike Todd did. Actually, what you're gonna see about Naaman and Mike Todd it's something that if you read this text, you would be curious to know what passage is he actually reading. But again, let's actually go into this. Let's hear what he has to say. Everybody say try it. Try it. I'm going back to naming. Oh, let me actually bring something out because I'm not sure if I clipped it, I clipped it out and brought it in. But, you know, the parallel that Mike Todd wants to bring out is this issue of keep trying it, though it doesn't work. Right. Keep trying it, though it doesn't work. Now. That's so. The parallel he's trying to bring out is Naaman dipped himself seven times in the river. Though it didn't work the first time, he kept trying it, as if that was the message he was given. He he was told to do it seven times. It wasn't like he was he shouldn't have been expecting it after the first time. And so this is the parallel he's trying to bring out with um the washings again. It's and and the thing that and then the washings is trying it seven times. Is trying this word that you're being given. You've been called to start a business. Then you keep trying it until it works. Again, many people want to read the Bible in a very anthropocentric way. But
1: again, we'll we'll let him bring some of these things out. Because Naaman, he got a simple instruction that seemed crazy or stupid and he had to do it. I just want to paint this picture for you real quick.
0: And so what do you think he's going to do? You know, you know, in classic Mike Todd fashion, he has to uh, try to reiterate what's being done from the text. I'm just very glad this sermon isn't about Judas. I I would not want him hanging himself. Oh,
1: because this is how dumb it'll seem to other people.
0: And, And let me just say this again, just because it happens in Scripture doesn't mean it's called for you to do it again some passages are, are descriptive. They're describing what happened. Uh, Peter walked on water. It would be foolish for you to attempt to do that as well when you're in the ocean. You probably will drown. But again, there are some people who read that Bible like that. The Bible is descriptive. It has description in it. And it's also prescriptive, meaning it's commanding you to do what's being said. This is not a prescriptive text. It's a descriptive text. Oh, But of course, Mike Todd is theatrical. That is cold. The crowd loves it
1: in that that suit. That felt like enough to me. I would
0: say it was not needed at all.
1: But half obedience is disobedience. How many more do I got?
0: Now, for some people this is preaching you know he has a creative way of all he did was deal with the text did but you didn't actually he actually doesn't explain the text well he doesn't explain it act, act accurately now again there's no way to draw a parallel between naming dipping himself seven times versus you starting your business the first time it didn't work that is absurd conclusion to come to this seems excessive
1: yeah i agree this is cold. <laughs> it is cold <laughs> in another way. This feels stupid. Nobody else is
0: having to do this. To be fair, sir, you don't have to do it. Why would you, you say, say that? that? Why would you say that? You did not have to do this. We've
1: my imagination.
0: But of course, away with me. it is just Mike Saw's imagination dipping into the text. Pun intended.
1: This feels like a mess. I agree. Somebody's got to clean that up. But if he said, Someone has to clean up the mess and the theological mess. Seven times. But if he told me to forgive, but if he told me to give, how many more do I got? (laughs) somebody said two somebody said three how many do i got nobody knows look people looking around now like which one carry the two (laughs) if they can't follow this this water is so cold hold the mic joe
0: It's just like will of fortune. (laughs) Pick number six. (laughs) No one knows what number he's on. Neither do I. I'm not counting the foolishness. You know what would be better? If he was just preaching the text. Wouldn't it just be easier? Uh, Less. (laughs) Less severe on your body with his cold water. Just to preach the text. You don't have to, you know, one of the things he's talking about, you don't need this grand miracle only to do this grand theatrics he's doing.
1: My outfit is ruined. <laughs> you ruined it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I may not be accepted in some places like this. Here, here, I'm, I'm just trying to make it real for you. Like, you didn't like, have to do that. This is altered how you might see
0: me. No sir, I felt the same way about you prior
1: to you doing this. Because if you weren't with me when I started this process and you just saw me on dip number four, you may judge me. But I can't let your opinion stop me from being obedient. Y'all say number five when I go down this time. Y'all ready? All right, count with me.
0: Here we go. Notice how, you know, he's trying to play a theatrical, like, hey, you can't stop at five. You can't stop at six. As if we're told anything about naming struggling to get to number seven like once he did it it seems like he just did it we we don't have all this into see there are some people who want to fill in the gaps right this is why i don't i'm not a big fan of chosen the chosen uh you don't have to fill in the gaps of what we don't know what happened it's okay to stay silent where the scriptures are silent Hey, what'd you learn about today at church? Oh, my pastor got in a pool and uh, gave him seven baptisms. <laughs> he's, he's making a good argument for Presbyterians right now. I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> my goodness. One more and I'm healed. One more and my family is delivered. One more and I'm the lender and not the borrower. So again, notice even the title of
0: the sermon, The Triumph in Trying Again. So uh, all the sermon is about how you can receive your triumph, whether that's a new job, whether that's better success, new house, uh, being a pastor. The uh, the sermon is all geared around how you can accomplish the things you want to do by just keep trying it and trying it. Again, this that one that's even if you wanted to make that correlation or that that kind of a point. This isn't the passage to do it. This isn't about trying things when it failed because God told him to do it seven times. It's not like God told him to do it one time and then keep trying it and trying it again once it, you know, on the seventh time he was healed, the exact number God told him to do. So the parallel isn't even the same, but it's foolish. And these people are so bi- biblically illiterate. They're cheering. He could say anything and they're, they're already, they're already, uh, you know, uh, in a euphoric state, to where they're they're ready to cheer, no matter what's being said, even it goes against the Bible.
1: Come on, I, I need y'all to hear what I'm saying. One more obedient step in crazy faith. I've done it over and over and over and over and over again. But if I do it one more,
0: time and also let me just say this, because this is actually the the misleading example uh, point of this sermon. This sermon teaches all you have to do is obedient. Then you'll get the stuff you really want. And you know, he has the nerve to say he's not prosperity gospel. That is exactly what the prosperity gospel preachers teach. We're obedient. We have faith, crazy faith. He just adds crazy faith to his, and then we'll get all the materialism stuff we want. We're obedient, my friends, despite getting the things of the earth we're obedient for obedience sake to to we're obedient for the glory of god that should be a a good enough motivation but notice what he's tempting them with uh luring them with carrot sticking them with right like a horse to get them to obey god
1: you don't have to do this for the believer pastor mike what are you saying to us don't quit on six Not the point. Some of y'all like just do it, but that's what God's been asking you to do for years. God's works for Nike. Don't quit on six. Naaman didn't know if the miracle was gonna happen on one or seven. Yes, he did.
0: God told him on. Dip yourself seven times, then you will be clean. Well, the prophet told him, you know, you know, obviously it was God through the prophet. But yeah, it wasn't like God told him through the prophet, dip yourself one time. And if it doesn't keep again, the parallel, you see how the parallel isn't the same. He has to change what the text has actually said
1: to come up with this whole sermon here. But he knew he was given an instruction. And I wonder how many times he would have done it. If he knew healing was on the other side of it. He did know. <laughs> That's why he did go do it. Quitting on six is a trick. It's the lie that the enemy wants you. It's not going to work. When you give this time, it's going to be the same thing that happened last time. When you try to serve again, when you ask for forgiveness, when you show up, when you show yourself, they're going to do you like the other. Don't quit on Six. Y'all would have nightmares if I didn't finish this example. Sir, I think I'm already going to have nightmares. Somebody will come dump themselves. I'm doing this in proxy for Pastor Mike. Hear me when I say this. If you want me to finish an example, I don't. How much more? Does God want you to actually obey him to the point where your crazy faith creates a crazy miracle? Let's do this thing right now. But notice,
0: notice again, our crazy faith is actually what creates the crazy miracles, not God and his power and ability. Right. Not the creator who's uh, self-existent, self-sufficient, dependent in need of no one as Acts 19 or Acts 17 declares. Not not God creates the miracles. You know, I, I mean, silly old me, I thought God did a miracle. But no, it's actually our crazy faith which gives God matter, or whatever that even means. It gives God permission or you know, it gives him a reason now to act in our behalf. You see how twisted and unbiblical this sermon really is? <laughs> And remember, this is all supposed to be coming out of 1 Kings 5, which none of this is what uh, was going on in that passage. He just swan dived in
1: the pool. It's a He's hyped. This is the season of miracles. But the miracle only happens with simple obedience.
0: There we go. Can't happen apart from your obedience. Now, watch what he what he what he leads and gaslights them with. What do you think the simple obedience? I mean, I'm already spoiled it is going to get them to do.
1: In just a few minutes, we're about to give. But this is not about giving today, even though we want you to give, this is about obedience. Yeah. It's not about
0: giving, it's about obedience in your giving. And so the the again the sermon starts off with exhibiting your crazy faith. Give more than you ever gave before cuz this is a special giving time. Again, you would not be able to read 1 Kings 5 and try to draw some parallel with ties and offering in the church. It is it is silly that that was exhibited and try to uh, given given that, but again, hopefully this video was helpful as far as you know, how people read the Bible, uh, just absurdly like Mike Todd, right? Just, uh, very anthropocentric, finding them in the text, right? You want a job, go to first King five. You see some parallel about dipping yourself seven times. That means you got to keep trying until you get it. You would not get that from that passage. Again, uh, there are hermeneutical principles that were violated throughout this sermon. I mean, numerous times, um, again, uh, there, there are parallels we can make to our spiritual lives but I don't believe what he did was uh, handled them properly especially when we see it quoting in the, in the New Testament and they don't apply that to it uh to they don't apply this application he made and so man i I, I saw this sermon and I, I just thought it was bad and I hope hope this uh you know review response will well you know just help you think about when you know when you read the Bible what is this passage actually about I believe first and foremost, our principle should be what Jesus described in Luke 24, 44, that all the scriptures, the law, Psalms and the prophets point to him. And if there's any, any uh, text, if there's any principle we want to derive, I believe is a Christocentric looking. How does this first and foremost uh, apply about Christ? What does this have to do with Christ? And uh, obviously, a a you know, a good hermeneutic is just, what, what is this passage about, right? What is this, what what is this sharing? You know, you can look forward to the redemptive history, right? This biblical theology flowing, how progressive, again, there is so much to draw from this that is actually good. And I would argue Christian, (laughs) right? God is the, the, the ultimate healer who dispenses his gifts as he pleases, right? He's saving Jew and Gentile. And it shows the need for spiritual healing, not just physical. And so hopefully this video was helpful. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Till the next time, grace and peace. Yo, grace and peace. Thank you for watching another episode of All Things Theology. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go on and give me a like. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. I promise to give you weekly lives, videos, interactions, exposing false teachers, sharing with you, the viewer, my theological beliefs, things about the culture and the Bible. So if you're here for that, come on and join us. Also, if you would like to support this channel financially, you can do so by becoming a Patreon member or a YouTube member. Links are in the description below. You can see content before it drops. You can also have Q&A sessions with also other Patreon members, YouTube members as well. So if you would like that, hit the description link in below. Maybe.